All right, friends, good work on the bonus question of the day. If you want to grab your seat, we're going to keep moving. As always, you can keep chatting with those friends. We're trying to make it even easier today. Today, for the first time in a very long time, we have coffee, and I believe Sadie bought us donuts from Heights Bakery. So don't, don't leave yet. Uh, oh, bet it's ready to go. Donuts are in the back, bud. They're in the back of the, the hallway. This guy heard donuts. I get it. I feel it. I get it. I get it. Um, we're excited to keep, we're continually like things are happening more. And, uh, and so today we get the opportunity to have communion again at the end of our time as we sing. And also uh, currently there is coffee percolating uh, and donuts and uh, Heights Bakery has been very generous. They've been, they've donated to us a few times a month leftover bread. And so there's just loaves of bread too. If you're just into bread, uh, if you're gluten-free, sorry, they did not donate. I guess, what do you do, bread? Um, I'm excited you're here. My name is Drew, uh, the pastor here, and we're thrilled that you're here with us today. And it is our last week in the book of Hosea, and I've been really encouraged uh, by this book. And in fact, um, the story that Britta read to us um, is, uh, happens around just before, we think, kind of the same period of time, though, when they're seeing uh, all this Baal worship or just worship of, of gods other than Yahweh, other than God, all over. And I love that story because it just... It's such a fun, it's such an incredible moment that all of these people do everything they can to make their God act, to, to do the thing they want him to do and he won't. And then Elijah makes it really impossible for this altar to burn, right? For the fire to come, there's a trench, there's water. I mean, it, it's like, oh, there's no way this can happen. And he doesn't do anything. He just says, God, just, just show yourself so people would know you. And then fire. That might be my favorite page. Fire and the fire burns. How exciting. And this is the story of Hosea in a different way. It's God saying, hey, I'm your God. Uh, And the book of Hosea is an opportunity to hear that. First though, I want to just encourage you. We are starting a new series in November, the month of November that we're calling Entrusted. It's a series where we're going to look at um, our time and our treasure and our talent and our tickers, our hearts, uh, we should think of a T word at heart. Uh, and what does it look like to be entrusted, that, to, for God to bless us, to give us things, and then to see those as things we've been entrusted with to then overflow to the people and the world around us. And so we get an opportunity to look at what it looks like to steward these things well, and uh, even just hopefully be encouraged by the gospel and how Christ has done this and how he empowers us to do it. So I'm excited for the next uh, four weeks we're going to get the opportunity to look at how our time, treasure, talent, and tickers um, what we've been entrusted with and what we get to do with that. Uh, but Hosea, we're in it. For the last week, we went through all sorts of different things. If you remember, we talked about uh, kickers and how terrible they are, uh, how much God loves us, even when we don't perform for him. We've talked about this vision of a couple who loves each other so well, this vision of a couple in the book of Hosea. We're hearing the story of Hosea, who's a prophet, and God calling him to continue to faithfully love and draw in his wife, Gomer, who is unfaithful, who's adulterous. Um, and he's even willing to pay to buy her back into their relationship and continue to be married to her and love her. Um, and so this great picture of, of this God that we have, uh, Pastor Tim Chester says, it's a book that tells us how God feels about us, his great love towards us, even when we are unfaithful. 
We've got to see all sorts of stuff through these nine weeks, and this week is our last. And so we are moving ahead. We've looked at the first few chapters, went through chapter six. And last week, we were, uh, Jordan walked us through chapter six. And now we're going to fast forward seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, and we're going to end up 14 this week. Those chapters, if you read just the headings, if you were to open your Bible and look at just the headings of those chapters, they all read similarly. Uh, Israel, God's people were unfaithful. God pursues them and loves them. Again, unfaithful, God pursues you. You're unfaithful, God pursues you. You walk away from God, God pursues you. And 14 really sums up. It's one of those great ending chapters. Sometimes the chapter in the, the last chapter in scripture in a book doesn't necessarily like wrap things up, but it kind of gives us a nice summary and a wrap up of the book. So we're going to look at chapter 14 of Hosea here this morning. If you have Bibles, I'd love for you to crack them open. Um, or if you want to read along on your app, otherwise we'll have all the passages right here on the screen. And we're just going to walk through Hosea 14 together here this morning and see what God has for us there. So we'll start right here at the beginning of Hosea 14, the last chapter in the book of Hosea, um, a story that God's using this, this family to act out his love for his people. So it says this, it starts this way. Return Israel to the Lord, your God. Turn back to God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take, wor <clears throat> Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you, the fatherless find compassion. So it ends with really how the whole book, happen, what happens over and over again, God's saying, turn back to me. He says, my people, turn back to me. Life comes in me. So it starts with this phrase of turning to God turning back to God. It's a phrase, sometimes we use the word repent in the church, which might have, when you hear the word repent, you might think of like a person on a street corner yelling at you to repent. All they're saying is turn back to God. They're saying, hey, turn to the one who brings you life because you've turned your life to things other than God, to creation around him. And it gives us this really cool, these steps, which I think are three helpful steps. And what does it look like to turn to God? And it actually, it kind of lays them out for us. So it says, Take words with you and return to the Lord. And then it says, say to him. So it's God's instructing us through this chapter 14. What does it look like to repent? What does it look like to turn to him? And here's the first thing. It looks like repent, turn, ask for forgiveness, confess. Confess all of our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. He's saying actually like with your mouth say, Lord, I have turned away from you. This is how I've turned away from you. You may have heard uh, maybe you've had a relationship where you've learned that when you uh, come to someone and repent to them, like you ask for forgiveness, it's often helpful to say what you ask for forgiveness. If you just say like, I'm sorry, I guess I did something, and you walk away. It doesn't seem real sincere. <laughs> uh, but if you say, I'm sorry that I said those things to you, that hurt you, that's not okay. Like, that's a different thing, right? And he's, he's encouraging us here. The first step in turning to God is to say, Forgive me of my sins. I have turned away from you and I'm turning back. Confess, not just to God, but even to those around you. We hear um, in James that actually confessing can be healing. And so we confess to one another. The second thing it calls us to do is not just turn to God and confess, God, I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. But it actually asks us to renounce the false gods. So say, 
I'm going to turn to you, Lord. I, I have turned away from you. I've done things you haven't called me to do, things that bring death and not life. And then he actually says, also just call out the things you turn to and say, those aren't real gods. Those aren't worth my worship. And so he does it right here in, in, in verse three. Assyria cannot save us. This other nation that there was even hopes maybe they could come in, maybe we could merge with them or work with them and they could make us a great nation maybe together. They can't save us. We will not mount our war horses. Military conquest isn't going to save us. We can't necessarily just go in with our armies. That's not going to save us. We'll never again say our gods to what our hands have made. The things even we created that we thought this is what our hope's going to be and this is what my future's in. This, if I just love this thing enough, it'll give me all that I desire. Those things aren't. Those aren't real gods. So it's important to not just turn to God but, and confess, but also renounce, say, hey, and those things that I came from don't do what I thought they did or what I wanted them to do. And lastly, I love this phrase, for in you the fatherless find compassion. This is a phrase that's, that's, that's saying you're going to find a family. You're, you're an orphan as you turned away from the Lord and ran from him and his family and now rest in God's family. So turn, repent, renounce those false gods and rest in the family that God has given you. Rest in God's family. So when we think of these things, in, in scripture here, as we read Hosea, we hear about Baal. So this God, which, which we've seen pictures of, it's literally, there had been like golden cows or calves built. Um, you see, we find these statues all over the world. This is a real thing people did. They went, and we find little statues that look like this, actual golden statues that people would go to and stand before, maybe uh, give money or food or just um, time to literally uh, sacrifice people to in order to kind of coerce them to give them what they wanted. And so I think it's real easy, right, to read the book of Hosea. It's easy for me to say, I don't do that. I don't have like a golden statue in my yard that I go out to and put food out to it, right? I think there are idols. So I just want to take a second to think, what do those look like? And I'll share in my life what those look like, right? There actually are idols, things that we, we put, right? We maybe right away you might think of like money, or maybe people or success. For me, if I, if I work all the way down, if I say this is the thing that I find myself, a place I find myself sinning or a place I find myself pursuing and not finding life, finding death, it often, often comes down to four things. This, this is really helpful for me um, in my own like repentance when I just sit and go, okay, Drew, what, what are you doing here? What are you pursuing that's not Yahweh? What God is, you, you think is real and is not real? And so I just wanna share what those are. First for me, golden the golden idol of comfort. So comfort for me can be a thing I pursue. If I ask a question of like, why did I do that? And I go like, why? Because I felt this way. And why did I do that? Because I felt this way. If I keep asking myself why, I often get down the why ladder to a place where I find comfort as one of my golden idols. Comfort would be a place where I seek pleasure or just the lack of stress, maybe just freedom. Comfort's just, I'll do whatever I need to because I'm putting all my hope in just being comfortable. So anything uncomfortable is something I had to run from. This causes me sometimes to not be the best friend, to not be the most helpful, because if that thing is uncomfortable, I'm gonna run from it because I put all my hope in comfort. Secondly, I uh, like the golden idol of approval. Uh, of all symbols of approval, the old thumbs up, like button seems like an appropriate one for our day. 
This is something where I seek affirmation, I seek love, I seek relationships. So sometimes my motivation isn't out, is out of searching for my hope and satisfaction, my, my identity in just getting approval at all costs, whatever I have to do to get love shown to me or affirmation shown to me, even if it's just a hint, maybe a few little lies just to make myself look a little bit better, hoping the people around me would like me, choosing relationship over maybe a hard conversation. Approval may be one of my golden idols I go to. Also, I may build a giant remote control in my front yard to worship because I love control. I love it. Maybe you love it too. I seek self-discipline or certainty or just standards. I just would love to set things up so I know exactly how they're going to go and when, and when it's going to happen and the way I want it to happen. And then if that doesn't happen, I get pretty upset because uh, I needed those things to happen to be successful, to be in control. And then lastly, I like power. Sometimes I just seek success, just winning, just influence. I just want to be in charge. This and control often kind of go together. Sometimes I make a, a combo altar for these two. I just want to be in control. I want to be the guy in charge. And so when I seek comfort, my greatest fear is also just being uncomfortable. Sometimes I just feel bored because there's nothing like stretching me or stressing me. I just am sitting comfortably waiting for the next thing that I can dodge so I'm still comfortable. Approval, my greatest fear is often rejection or loneliness. I'll do anything to, to run from those to, to worship my God of approval. I often feel cowardice. I, I lack confidence because I, I'm worried people won't like me if I do that thing. Maybe control. Some days my greatest fear is uncertainty, the unknown. It just completely controls me. Whatever I have to do to serve control. I often feel worried when control is my God that day. Worried of what's coming, what will be. And power, I, I often get angry. So I fear humiliation or just being seen as a loser, as not the winner. People might actually learn that I'm not always a winning <laughs> And so I often can get angry because the things aren't happening the way I want them to happen. Now, here's the good news, right? We see these, we could see these as idols. And uh, Hosea says, okay, say, that's, turn from those. God, I'm turning back to you. Comfort doesn't ultimately bring me satisfaction. Approval doesn't. Control and power, if I worship these things, they're not real. Those aren't true living gods because we know something through the gospel. We know that God is good. And because God is good, I can be uncomfortable because God brings me ultimately the ultimate comfort. And we know that God is gracious, that God has shown me approval in a way no one I'll ever meet has shown me approval. He's affirmed me and loved me. He's called me his son. He sent Jesus to die so that I could have life. I don't, I don't know anyone else doing that. Like he has given me this, this level of acceptance and brought me into the family. And so I can be... Uh, Around people, I can be rejected and still be okay because we know God is gracious. We know God is great also. And he has all things in his hands and he knows what's going on and he knows what's gonna be happening, what has happened. He's right in the middle of it. And I can trust that God is great, that he knows what's going on. And I can trust that God is glorious, that he is in power, that he knows what's happening and he has the power 
to deal with those things, even when they feel way out of control for me. When I'm not winning, God is always winning. And so I can trust that the true God that I turn to is those things. And so as we read the first half of Hosea 14, we can be people who are called to turn, to renounce those gods, to rest in our God. But Hosea 14 doesn't end there. It actually tells us what it looks like to be people who turn to God. I love this picture. It's a beautiful picture. God now starts talking. So before this, uh, it's like Hosea talking. He's saying, hey, this is what it will look like. This is what, this is what God's calling us to do, to turn, to renounce God's, to rest in God's family. And now God speaks to us. He says, hey, let me, I want to say something to you. He says, I will heal, heal their waywardness and love them freely for my anger has turned from them. So now God's talking about turning. He's actually, his anger has turned away from us and he's loving us freely. He's healing us of the wounds that have come from worshiping other gods. That's, that's wild. We have ourselves chosen to serve other gods, to, to turn other ways to things that actually hurt us, hurt our hearts and our minds that wound us. And our God who we are unfaithful to says, no, come back. I, I wanna heal you. I wanna care for you. I'm going to continue to be faithful to you. Even though you brought this upon yourself, I'm going to heal you and care for you. Then listen to how he talks about his people. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. So God's saying, I'm going to be like dew to Israel. Uh, I'm going to be this like, I'm going to offer this life in the morning. You're going to wake up and there's going to be this dew on the ground, this sign of life that's going to nourish you. And then he starts explaining what his people, what Israel's going to be like because of the work he's doing. He, now he's talking about Israel, will blossom like a lily. The ones who were marching towards death away from God now will be blossoming like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon, which is a big, a big strong tree from Lebanon. He will send down his roots He's going to make us grow and not just grow strong, but grow deep, like unshakable, like a tree that has deep, deep roots, isn't just blown over by wind. He's going to put roots in the ground through us. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Not only will we grow our roots deep, we will grow strong because of the Lord. And not only that, we're going to smell good. Isn't that a dream? This is for like all of us in eighth grade when we smelled terrible. He said, it's like taking an eighth grader and making him smell good. That's a miracle, right? He, he's saying, I'm going to take you, not only make you strong and your roots deep, I'm going to make you smell this amazing fragrance that like draws people in, that comforts people. Have you ever had a candle burn in your house that you just walk in and you go like, ah, like relaxes you? I love it. He's not just saying, hey, you were unfaithful. What were you doing? Get over here, have a seat, sit in the corner. I'll deal with you later. Just don't do more dumb stuff. He's saying, I'm going to make you grow. Deep roots. You're going to have the fragrance of the cedar of Lebanon. You're going to have splendor. You're going to be beautiful. Listen to this. People will dwell again in his shade. Now, if you're not careful when reading this, you might think he's saying, well, people are going to dwell in God's. He's still talking about his what his, as in God's people, 
People will dwell again in God's people's shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. So, well, not only are we going to grow deep roots, we're going to have this fragrance. We hear in, in New Testament, there's a fragrance of Christ. There's something about being around God's people when they're close with their God. They're not, they're not waving in the wind. They have this aroma about them. They have this beauty about them. And you know what they do? They provide shade to those in the hot sun. If you're in the, in the place of Lebanon, it's kind of rocky and sunny. It's not like a nice, it's not like a totally beautiful lush forest. It's like in the sun, the, the sun's beating down. You're hot. All you want is shade. And he's saying, by turning to me, you're not just in my family, but I'm going to create this beautiful tree that's going to give shade to those around. Those getting scorched and sunburned are going to have a place, a refuge in the shade. They will flourish like the grain. They'll blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. The wine of Lebanon is wine that comes from the place of Lebanon. And it was known as great. And, and, and there's lots of it. God's people, by turning to him, aren't just, I guess I'll let you back in the family. He's going to grow us. And not just grow us, but then use us to bring shade to the people around us. To bring his aroma to the people around us. To provide this flourishing to the people around us. This is incredible. The people who God saw walk away from him and bring death to those around them, he's now going to use to bring life to those around him. He's creating this beautiful picture of this tree that's not just growing tall and luscious and green with its shade and its fragrance, but deep roots that are strong in the Lord. Listen to how Karen and Catherine say it, uh, from the Women's Bible Commentary. I love how she describes this passage. Where there had been death and desolation, dryness, all manner of beauty would spring forth. All the most beautiful plants would grow and develop. The land and the people would be blessed. The fragrance of the flowers would overpower the stench of death and destruction. Well, line. All would be fertile and filled with beauty. God's going to take what was dead what was barren, what was death, and he's going to turn into something beautiful. The fragrance of the flowers would overpower the stench of death and destruction. Not only in my life, it, is that gospel, that good news, really important to believe, but how many people I walk by every day, how many people I interact with, how many friends, coworkers, family need that shade, need that fragrance feeling death and destruction and brokenness and to know the good news that there is life, that, that God's going to use us to bring that to those around him. I had an experience this week where I got to see uh, this in action on uh, Thursday night. I got to go to this dinner. There's a dinner, there's an annual uh, dinner in town. There's a group of people who raise money to give scholarships to students here in Columbia Heights. The high school is really cool. It's, it's really fun to go to because all these people who just love the kids here and are, are there to support schools and these kids. And so, so there's someone they honor every year. They like honor an alumni. And this person spoke. I don't remember much of what the person was saying. I, I may have been kind of watching the Packer game as the person was talking <laughs> at our table. That's my wife's fault. She, she put it on her phone. And uh, but I do remember this. 
because he said the names of actually some people in our church. He, uh, I won't say, but he said some names. He said, hey, the kids in our community have been blessed because they have been able to flourish because people have been willing to give their time and their lives to care for them and love. They're specifically talking about people who've been coaching sports. So he said, I've had the honor of coaching with all these different people in our community. And those people, we just need to honor those people. They have given so much time to just care for kids, give, give their, their time and their talent and their treasures and their, to their hearts to these kids and help those kids flourish. And then he named some of these people that for years he's got to serve with. And it was like, I got teary because he mentioned some people who are in our church who said, hey, hey, these people in our community have been people that I just want to just honor by saying that. I thought he said that and I thought, yes, those are people providing shade, providing the fragrance of Christ. And the life of a kid in fourth grade basketball, providing a little bit of shade from the harshness of life, a little bit of fragrance of Christ, a little bit of love and care and flourishing. And we all get to do that. I'm excited that we get to spend four weeks thinking about what that looks like. God's not only asking you to turn to him so that you can find life, but he's asking it so he can then use you to bring life and that good news to those around him. And how he ends here, uh, this party says, Ephraim, that's Israel, God's family. What more have I to do with idols? I'll answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Now he sandwiched this part of the passage by saying, I will heal their waywardness. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Just a reminder that this doesn't come because we did a lot of great work and that we, we mustered up enough goodness in us that we now provide shade because God has grown us and that's who we turn to to grow us. This sounds a lot as we kind of end our time here in Hosea. This sounds a lot like a passage in Titus. Now listen to these same words. This is, this is many years later. Jesus has come. He's died on a cross, paid for our sins so that we could have life, so that we could grow. He's put in a ground like a seed and he springs forth almost like growing out of the ground with life. And he welcomes us into that life with him to join him in that death and that resurrection, that life. And then we hear in Titus these words. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That sounds a lot like what we just read in Hosea. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That sounds a lot like what it looks like to be unfaithful, to follow other gods, to just grab at those things to serve ourselves. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of our righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. Sounds a lot like a merciful, faithful husband towards his wife. Not from what we did, but because of what God had done. He healed us. He brought fruitfulness to us. He saved us not because of our righteousness. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. He saved us, he's rescued us, he's given us the hope of eternal life. But not just that, there's a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good to be shade givers. He saved you not to just sit and, uh, and rest in that being saved, but now we get to be people 
who devote ourselves to doing good. We have all this time now because we don't have to spend all of our time trying to worship comfort or approval or power. We have all this freedom. You're like, what am I going to do now? I don't have to spend all my time trying to get people to like me. I can do great things. I can provide shade for those around me. I can bring the fragrance of Christ. I can work to help people flourish. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. This is really good news. This is not news that's saying we will just be comfortable now and all things will be good and we won't suffer. Tim Chester says it like this, but if you turn to God day by day, then God promises you this, joy in the midst of suffering, confidence in the face of guilt, contentment in every circumstance, freedom in the midst of constraint, peace in the midst of problems, love in the midst of rejection, strength in the midst of weakness. Above all, it means eternal life secure in a new creation where there's no more death or mourning or crying or pain. You can flourish if you turn to God. All those things that we want so bad that we we turn to so many other things, those things we find in God, even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hurt. And so Hosea ends this way. I love it. It ends very similar to the story uh, Britta read to us. Who is wise Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. Listen to this. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. The the righteous person walks in the ways of the Lord. The Lord's the one who's making them righteous, but the rebellious stumble in them. There's a summary of the book of Hosea. (laughs) Those who choose to walk away from the Lord stumble, ultimately stumble into death and destruction. And those who walk in the ways of the Lord turn to him Walk towards him our given life. That's the question. This is the question we got at the end of the book with uh, Britta. So everyone has to make up their minds. Will they join team Jesus? What will you decide? Who is the true God? I'm going to invite our worship team up so we have an opportunity to, to worship and reflect. A couple questions to reflect on as they walk up. Did you know that Jesus has come to make you alive? He actually has come to give you life, not to set out rules and then punish you if you don't follow them, but to bring you life. Hey, maybe what's your favorite idol? Why is it? Did any of those resonate with you today? Comfort, approval, power? Maybe what's one way you could turn to God today? What's one way you could take that step to turn to him, renounce that idol, that God that isn't truly a God, and then just rest in who God has made you? Even ask who's the one who helps you do that. Do you have people who help you do that? I was encouraged that um, uh, Doug and Rachel mentioned their small group is a place they've seen God's same, same in my life. People who have been able to say and remind me, you know, Jesus really is good, Drew. You can really turn to him. He's really is good. He's glorious. He's gracious. Maybe today you just need to reflect on who needs some shade or the fragrance of Christ. Who are you going to run into this week that's going to need to hear that good news? Maybe provide a little shade. I get to introduce a thing that we got to do for a while and now we get to do again. Um, We're going to have a time to respond. At the end of our service, our whole service is built towards remembering who Christ is, proclaiming who he is, remembering this good news of the gospel, his, his death and resurrection, that we have life in him. And so there's a few ways you can do that. Now, for the next few minutes, uh, we're going to have a few ways to do that. First, communion. We have communion. Uh, and this is an opportunity to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. Remember the moment when he broke bread with his disciples and he said, hey, do this. Drink wine, break bread. Remember my body broken, my blood shed. That was for you. 
to rescue you. And we do that here um, out in the hallway. So we can't have food or drink in here. A uh, little reminder. So communion is considered food and drink. <laughs> I tried hard to get it not to be considered food and drink. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> when I had to describe to the school, like, it's like, uh, you know, like juice and bread. And they're like, how is that not food and drink? <laughs> uh, like, you got me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tried. Uh, it's just out in the hallway. So you just exit the doors here. There's a table there. And we have these great little communion cups that have the wafer built right in. And so you peel the top and there's a wafer and then you peel it again and there's a little cup of grape juice. And so um, the grape juice isn't the best on purpose. It tastes a little off because it reminds you of the suffering Jesus went through on the cross. <laughs> oh, I got like a boo on that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to celebrate though at the communion table. So we encourage you, uh, you're going to have two opportunities during two songs to go and take communion. Remember the sacrifice Jesus made that brought you life. Celebrate that. Also in time of response is prayer and singing. And so we're going to have an opportunity to sing. Our worship team will lead us in songs where we can turn to God and praise. We can confess, repent, and listen. There's also people in the back of the room that will have yellow lanyards on um, that say prayer team. They're going to stand right back by the back wall by the door and they would love to pray for you. Like not, not like, I don't know if I have anything. They, they're here, they're excited to pray for you. So even if you have nothing, like you can't say anything, you're just like, I don't even know what to say. You don't have to just walk up to them and look at them and they'll assume you need prayer. Um, or you can, you can share with them something to pray for and they'd love to just quick pray for you. They're people who love the Lord and would love to pray over you. Um, and also you can sing, stand, sit, sing out to the Lord. And then also giving is an opportunity always for us to respond you can do that on our website. And also we have a uh, giving a box, a metal box that's out in this back table, communion table, if you'd like to give in person. Let me pray for us and then give us an opportunity here, a time just to respond together to end our service. Lord, thank you for your goodness that you run after us even when we're unfaithful. That you give us the opportunity to turn from these things that don't, ultimately bring us life, that don't satisfy like we think they're going to, that you let us turn to you and you bring us into the family. You have compassion on us as a father does. I pray, Lord, that you would help us turn, that you'd remind us of your glory, that you would bring us life, that you'd they'd plant our roots deep, that you'd give us the fragrance of you that would bring life and flourishing to those around us. Lord, I pray that people this week would be encouraged with the good news, the good news that came from us, through us, that we'd remind them of how good you are, that we'd see more people know you and find life in you. Lord, we pray this in your good, good, good name. Amen.